You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source, is our guest today. And this business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard live exclusively here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club of Costa Mesa. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs running middle market firms to improve your decision-making skills. How hard do you find it to maintain great talent in your company? Well, I've invited Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source, to join the show to talk about the practice and how her firm helps middle market CEOs to find, secure, and maintain good talent. Marcy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's start simply by asking you to share a little bit about your professional background. Kind of tell us about what you've done up to this point in your career that got you to be the CEO of Another Source. Well, Another Source is a family-run business, so early on, Another Source was in my blood, so to say. So Uh um, professional career starts back in high school when I was answering phones for Another Source after uh, sixth period. Wow. Uh, But really, I'm an accountant by nature. Uh, Give me a spreadsheet, lock me in a room all day, and I'd be happy. But majored in accounting, joined Ernst & Young. Um, and But when I joined Ernst & Young, I really didn't find an interest in the audit and tax side. I found an interest in the sales side, business development, the pursuit, the knowledge side of what Ernst & Young was doing. Okay. So I spent about a year in sales pursuits, and then I moved to Dallas, Texas, and joined the consulting arm that was uh, just developing for Ernst & Young in business process outsourcing, which really would lay the foundation for where another source is in recruitment outsourcing, which is what we'll talk about in a little bit. Sure. But for Ernst & Young, I really focused on knowledge management and getting the right information to our customers and client groups as well as our partners so that they could continue to build the practice. And how did you get back to another source into the Pacific Northwest then? Well, good question. Um, and I and I owe that to my mom, right? Mom, moms are always right, yes. uh, as we know. Yes. Um, but it was a really simple conversation. I remember um, talking to her one evening while I was unloading the dishwasher and complaining about how my job just didn't have as much impact as I wanted it to have. And as uh, my mom casually said, well, come to work for me and you can have impact every day on the bottom line. Wow. And the rest is history. There you go. There was the hook was set, huh? Yes, the hook was set. (laughs) And how long ago was that? I joined um, another source officially in April of 2000. So it was 14 years in April. And you didn't start as the CEO, I would think. I did not. No, no. I started um, in sourcing, which is for those of you that that don't know the acronyms in in recruiting, that means I was dedicated to finding candidates, finding Mm -hmm. new ways of identifying them, capturing them and building processes so that we could continue to capture those candidates without having to reinvent the wheel. And I'm sure that has changed with technology, et cetera, over the 14 years that you've been doing this. I'm, and the, the, the competitive landscape has changed, right, on, on how candidates get sourced, how employers think they can source candidates. Technology might have led some people to think they can do it almost as a D, DUI. I'm not DUI, D. DIY, do it yourself. Yes. Sorry about that. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's It's been a, a challenge and opportunity for us. It's also been a challenge and opportunity for our clients. And um, at the same time, 
you know, job searching is an emotional time for both hiring managers and for job seekers. So you have to be able to leverage technology, but not rely on it because ultimately the interview is an emotional connection. So let's talk about the company. What makes your firm different? Why do clients choose another source to do business with you? I think they choose another source because they can, well, I know they choose another source because they consistently get great value. Um, They get results and they get choice. And that's really what our business model is built off of. But what makes us different um, in terms of choices, where we fall into the category of recruitment service firms, just like any traditional headhunter might. But the way that we differentiate ourselves is in our model. So we offer a flat fee a three-week time period, um, and it's based on the quality of the candidate pool, not the hire. Uh, Okay, back up. Three-week time period, what's that mean? So when clients hire us, they hire us for three weeks. Um, They pay us a flat rate. We invoice it at the time of engagement. Okay. And we build the candidate pool, and we guarantee the quality level of the candidates in that candidate pool. Okay. And ultimately, that helps a a client or a hiring manager expedite their recruiting process, but still own the decision. I don't want to be responsible for other people's decisions. I want them to own it, uh-huh. but I want to allow them to focus on their core business. And by us focusing on our core business of creating candidate pools, they've got choice and they can immediately act on it. Is that unique in your space where a company kind of has a limited engagement like that? I it mean- is. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons we focus on middle market companies is when there's an open position, it's critical right. uh, to the organization and it has significant impact when it's when it's vacant. And so our model with a three-week time period can really critically impact the organization quickly right. um, and allow them to continue moving forward. So you say you service middle market? Yep. Entrepreneurial and middle market um, organizations are our sweet spot. Okay. And also the customer base that really can take advantage of our model. Okay. Um, the larger the organization and the more complex the structure, it's not often that they can move quick enough to reap the value of a three-week time period. Okay. So middle market companies in the Pacific Northwest, across the North America, what's your geography? All down the West Coast. West Coast. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of middle market companies up and down the West Coast. Absolutely. Then. Absolutely. And I knew you and one of your employees are here in Southern California. You're in Seattle by my corporate headquarters. Yes. Do you get to the South Southern California often? Uh, absolutely. Really through November through June is when I'm down here the most. <laughs> well, that sounds for different reasons, but makes sense. Yes. Absolutely. You know, our clients are, um, are really built on relationship. And so we do spend quite a bit of time with our, our clients and building that relationship and understanding what's going on in their business. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, getting to know their culture. If we're going to de- determine that someone's a good fit and they should be in the candidate pool, we need to know their culture. That's such a big part of hiring, isn't it? And that's, uh, it's not always evident, and it's not always what the CEO says the culture is to really understand the exactly. culture. Exactly. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. So you're. It sounds like you take a very partnership model with the companies that you support. Absolutely. It it really is a partnership, um, and and part of that is built on the fact that I can be an expert in identifying the right candidates, but they have to be an expert in pulling and extracting that information out in the interview to know that they're the right hire. So we have to be able to do that together, learn how each other speaks, um, what what a culture means to that organization and how they evaluate it so Mm -hmm. that we can be emulating that. Right, because you can have the best resume, but if you don't have the right culture fit, it's almost a waste of time, right? It's a a bad hire, in my experience. Absolutely. It's not a long-term employee you yep. know we're, we're going to take our first commercial break here on critical mass radio show marcy glenn is ceo of another source and she's our first guest 
We're going to be back in less than three minutes, so don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to talk to us about the goals you keep in mind when placing talent for middle market companies. So if you can think about that, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a middle market CEO, don't go anywhere because you're going to hear more from Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source, after these words from our commercial sponsors. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willie of Fidelity National Financial. To name a few. In short, we were bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source, is our first guest during this segment. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days. 
And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime on Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Marcy, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to share with us the goals you keep in mind when you're placing talent for your clients who are CEOs of middle market firms. Can you share a little bit of that with our audience? Absolutely. I think, you know, when, when I thought about this question before our conversation and just again now, I, I think that there's one word that comes to mind consistently, and that's choice. Hiring managers and CEOs need choice when they're making a decision on investing in talent that's going to help their company achieve their vision, because that's really what they're hiring them to do. Um, so in, in identifying choice in a candidate pool and ensuring that there's a diversity of skills, there's a diversity of approaches and how someone has the knowledge to be able to apply it, and ultimately, can that person apply it in their environment? Like you said earlier, they could have a great resume, but they could misalign on culture or they could misalign on motivators. Right. Um, and if, if those things line up, the investment is, is, is not, there's not a return. So from your years of experience doing this, are there, can there be more than one right candidate out of this collection? And it really comes down to maybe these other factors. Like you may be able to make the choice from two or three of the total count candidate pool and still make a good hire. Mm -hmm. And it you're trying to present them viable options, not one A and then some less talented people just to make the A look better. Mm -hmm. I mean, your goal is to give them multiple candidates that could all do the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you look at a, a candidate pool or you look at what's going on in an organization, two people might have the same skill set, but they have a different set of knowledge that they could bring to the table based on the, the projects that they've recently worked on, the environment that they recently came from. And then ultimately, the last is, is abilities. Can they perform in this environment? And that might be an unknown on one particular candidate, and it might be a known in another. But ultimately, that CEO or that hiring manager is going to be de able to determine where's the value. And part, part of the right candidate, sorry, but is the hiring manager themselves, right? Exactly. Not everybody vibrates the same way with two candidates and is trying to get that right chemistry Absolutely. from day one. Absolutely. You know, the hiring manager has to know that they can, they're able to help this person achieve their motivators. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we hear time and time again, employees leave because their motivators aren't met. It's not a lot of times for tangible reasons. It's because right. their motivators aren't met. How do you discover the motivators of the candidates? You know, I, I would like to think there's a, a special science or a secret sauce to it, but I think a lot of it is about asking and then listening. Okay. Um, and I think you have to be willing to listen, and then you have to be able to to dive deeper into that and understand, does the, does the candidate know themselves what the motivators are? I think as as we know and, and people in our in our circles of influence not everyone knows how they're motivated that's, that's a process in itself that's exactly what i was thinking sometimes you ask people and they're not really sure what motivates them so that i was mm -hmm. curious and i'm sure with your years of experience and your team and your talent you're able to kind of suss that out from people because I, I haven't been a hiring manager for years thank goodness it's a for me it's all, it was always a difficult process to make the right decision, uh, even though I had good people around me to help me. I found sometimes candidates were trying to answer the questions in an anticipated way of what I might be expecting as an answer. Absolutely. It was really hard not to feel like I was getting game during the interview process, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And that's when I think you take, what, what am I hearing the candidate say, and how does that match up with their behavior pattern? 
You know, what, what, are, what are their actions in their employment history? How have they described certain situations and how have they responded in those situations? And does that align with what they've just told me their motivators are or their, or their goals? Right. Um, and being okay saying there's a mismatch there. Walk me through that. Right, because my philosophy is that it's more important for the, for the interviewee to make the right decision than for the interviewer. Because the interviewer, yeah, you make the wrong decision, you kind of work through it. But that's going on your resume as the, as the candidate. And if Absolutely. you make a bad choice, somebody says, well, how come you're only there for three months? Right. Well, and I, I, I think, you know, when I look at a business in general and, and the hiring process, candidates aren't, aren't taught that it's okay to interview the firm as, mm. mu- as much as they're interviewing you. It is a right. two-sided decision. It it's not be. one-sided. Right. Um, and a lot of times it's a one-sided conversation. So that, that leads me off script a little bit, and that is based on what you're seeing focused on middle market companies, just like the kind that listen to this radio show, what's happening? As the, where's the pendulum now in the relationship between the employer and the candidates? I mean, it, it, are, are there more jobs being open? Are there more candidates? Is there supply and demand? What, what are you seeing as far as the candidate pool and the number of job opportunities that are out there in middle market companies? I think, you know, where most of middle market companies that I'm seeing are hiring again, um, okay. but they're hiring thoughtfully. And what I mean by that is they're really looking at, you know, what did we do during the recession to innovate and, and create efficiency? And now with the, the, the budget opportunity that we have to bring someone else on board, where do we really need them? Um, and how do we allow that person to excel our firm past what we're doing? And so. I'm seeing quite a few more opportunities, um, but I'm also seeing a candidate pool that has a lot of confidence right now, especially. What do you mean by that? Well, I think um, candidate confidence mirrors consumer confidence quite a bit. Okay. Um, so there's, it, it, to use an analogy, I see a lot of, um, I, I see a lot of car shopping or job shop, job shopping. Okay. In the sense that candidates who have been um, employed are starting to look around, um, and as you look around, um, you do so very passively, very cautiously. Um, but then ultimately you identify an opportunity that you're interested in and now it comes to, am I willing to sign the papers? Right. It, um, it's dangerous to start looking around because in, it's like shopping for anything. Yep. Invariably, you're going to find something that yep. you want and then you're going to force yourself into a, a decision, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And my sense is from hearing what you're saying is during the recession, people with good jobs that would be the kind of strategic hires that are now being made weren't even looking because... You, you had a known entity many times, right? It was it was hard to leave a sure thing for an unsure. It's hard to be the newest person hired during a recession for fear that you're the first person they have to let go if things don't exactly. turn out, right? Absolutely. And I think now that, you know, there is more consumer confidence in general, people are more confident. Right. Um, even those who are actively seeking employment, they have multiple offers or mul- or choices. Wow. Um, and, and that creates confidence. Yeah. So hiring managers, uh, it's a good thing to get out there and get your jobs posted, though, right? Because, uh, you know, I don't know if there's better times of the year for hiring. You know, I don't know if the first of the year is the time that people hire for jobs. That You hire when you have the need and the budget and you have the confidence to do it. But my sense is it's it's if you know you need the position, get out there now, because I think at the if you get early in the process of this rebound, you may have an opportunity to pick up some people that if you wait a little bit, somebody else is going to capture them. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to talk to you about your guiding principle. You're CEO of your firm. You're leading a family legacy company. You're growing it. You have a lot of people depending on the decisions that you make. So for me, the guiding principle means of all the things you learned, Marcy Glenn, in your career, have you developed kind of an overarching philosophy of how you're leading your firm? Absolutely. Um, and it's rather simple in the sense that it provides a lot of clarity for me, and that is treat others the way that you want to be treated. 
Well, that's a good one. Um, I, I think we've all came across that, you know, growing up, the golden rule. But as I was reflecting on this question, there's so many complex situations that we have as CEOs come up against. That's the truth. Um, complex decisions, complex opportunities. And a lot of times we need clarity. And, and for me, that this guiding principle provides that clarity. Um, when I think about how does this decision impact our employees? How does this decision impact my vendors um, that I have relationships with? How does this decision or opportunity impact my customers? And, and how would I be okay on the other end of that? Um, because those are hard decisions. Um, but ultimately, that's my check. That's my balance and, and my thermometer in a way. I love that because, and I've been asking this for years, we have two books and a third coming out every year. We're going to update it, and we'll have you in the 2014 edition, Marcy. But I was in sales for years, and that's what I used to say to my salespeople. Imagine that you're on the other side. You're the customer. Don't do things and say things to them that you wouldn't want. You know, they're going to they're gonna have to live with what you convince them to do. Make sure you have their best interests at heart. Absolutely. Because it's going to come out sooner or later, and if you want to have a relationship, you better not have gone for the transaction. You better have gone for the relationship. Absolutely. And and I think that catches up with you. Um, uh, it absolutely it, does. It's hard, it's hard to uh, to op continually operate if you're trying to remember what you said or what you didn't said instead of just operating off of what your core values are. And working for somebody who's, who is never predictable is really a hard place to be. Absolutely. You may not like the predictability of the person, but at least you have comfort in knowing this is how Marcy's going to respond in this situation, given this set of facts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think the organization can then be confident in the future based on the fact that you're not a different person every day. Absolutely. But you were, were you leading the company during the Great Recession? I mean, were you the, how long have you been CEO? Uh, seven years. Okay. Uh, so, seven and a half years. So you had the privilege of leading the organization during the greatest recession and hopefully our professional careers. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. It feels better to be here now looking back on it, doesn't it? It does. And, and you know, I, I in one hand, and I hate to say it out loud, but on one hand, I'm grateful for the experience to be able to learn through that um, and, and to lead through it because it was challenging. But I think if we don't have those experiences, we're not able to to incorporate all of, all of the aspects that as a CEO we need to be thinking about. Right. And you said it earlier, and, and I believe that it's true for your firm as well and other sources, that during the recession, people had to make decisions that they could, they didn't have to necessarily make when they weren't mm -hmm. forced to. Mm -hmm. But some of those decisions are actually in the best interest of the business, weren't they? Absolutely. I, I think about several times where we were, you know, I was pushed up against a wall and, and forced to make a decision. And had I not been forced to make that decision, and, and it turned out to be really great decisions for the organization, those decisions wouldn't have been made. Right. And the organization wouldn't be on the platform that it's Absolutely. on today. Because that's what I see. Well-run companies that got through the recession, the chance to make money is great now because you have this efficiency and the revenue is coming back and it hopefully flows to the bottom line, which you need to repair some of the damage that was done to the bottom line from a prolonged three or four year slowdown, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Creating choice. I mean, you get choices now. Right. So last question for you today, Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source. Where's the future? What's the future for Another Source? You have great employees and team. You're you're growing. You're focused on the West. I'm going to have you back in the future. What are we going to talk about? What's the future look like for Another Source? Well, you know, I think you highlighted it in, in your book, and I was reading it, which is now's the time for, for me and for our organization to focus on the business instead of in the business. And I, I find that that's the, the biggest opportunity, but also the biggest challenge that we face right now. I do have the best team we've, we've had in the history of Another Source. We have a fantastic group of clients. We have the technology. We have the choices to be able to move that forward. And it really is about capitalizing on that opportunity to lead the company and leverage our resources. 
So are you looking to move further in geography, deeper inside the geography? Where do you see the opportunities in middle market companies? Because there's so many of them, right? Absolutely. I think, you you know, you, you, you touched on it right there, which is I really see us growing in our current footprint deeper. Okay. Um, you know, we have middle market clients and then we have about 30 to 40% of our business in higher education. Mm. And I really see us diving deeper into that current footprint down the West Coast. Great. Well, then you'll be back. I will be. All right. Yes. So, uh, Remember, November through June. Yes, I'll have Crystal, our producer, plan you in the winter so that you, it's an excuse to come to somewhat sunny California. Although we're supposed to have a rainy winter here, they say, in Southern California. If someone would like to learn more about Marcy Glenn, the wonderful team, and the company Another Source, how do they find you online? Uh, www.anothersource.com. Just like it sounds. Spelled yeah, just like it sounds. Another absolutely. Source. All right. Well, thanks for being a friend of the program. Thank you. It's been a blast having you in the studio. And welcome to our critical mass community. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Marcy Glenn, CEO of Another Source. We're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, Vince Duran, owner of Duran Ads, is our guest. And we'll be having him in the studio in just three minutes. comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. 
Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Vince Duran is our guest. He's owner of Duran Ads, and we're going to be with him in just a minute. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our radio show. If you'd like to learn more, then contact Rose Chamora. Hi, Rose. 951-515-4661. 951-515-4661. Don't all call at once or else you'll get her voicemail. Space it out a little bit. Give yourself maybe five or ten minutes so that she can process all the people that are interested in advertising on the radio show. Okay, Vince. Welcome to the program. Talk to me a little bit about your background and your experience. What have you done in your career? Yes, Rick. Thank you for having me. Um, I've done a lot of lot of things. Um, mainly, I've been in print. Uh, okay. I'm as old as dirt in print. Okay. <laughs> Back in the 70s, I, uh, I sold printing equipment for uh, Dressograph Multigraph, which became AM International. Sure. And um, A leader in the field. It was a leader in the field in those days. Uh, they had seven divisions, and seven. if you if you owned some of their products, you might have as many as seven different salesmen, because oh. everybody, was, everybody was specialized. Wow. Yeah, so it was a little uh, overwhelming to the clients, and it became overwhelming to the company. That's kind of why they went away. But uh, I went from selling uh, printing... Uh, equipment to selling printing. Okay. And I uh, sold printing down here as well. I, I had an office in San Francisco. Competition for printing, especially in Orange County, is really, really high. Yeah, it's fierce. There, there's a lot of printers out here, and there's always somebody that will do a job for less money because they need to keep the doors open. Right, because it's a capital-intensive business, right? It, it is. It is. Those, like big prints, big those printers. Printing presses are very, very expensive, and um, they have to have... Uh, Basically, the way that works is the, the first shift pays for the equipment. The second shift is what the owner makes. Okay. So they, they have to run two shifts. And so I, I, I went out of the printing business and went into the advertising business, selling what came out of the printer. Okay. 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 Uh, in a sense. And the reason for that is uh, instead of selling printing, I'm now selling advertising, and there's not as much competition. Okay. Okay. Uh, because now I'm selling a service. So that's Duran Ads? DuranAds.com, that's correct. And what is DuranAds.com? DuranAds.com uh, we did in 2004. And essentially what we did is one of my printing uh, clients was uh, Papa John's here, uh, franchise in Orange County. And we printed uh, these large 9 by 12 flyers that went into uh, your Advil mail that you get on Tuesdays, the big sheets, and says you can get pizza for $9 and two for 12 or something it's like that. It's amazing how cheap pizza is, right? You, you, I mean, it blows me away. Well, you know, I'll tell you, the, the old story is, uh, my brother says, he says, anybody that pays retail for pizza is, must be nuts because right. there's a coupon somewhere, and, and coupons do work, and that's that's the whole thing. But anyway, we were printing these a uh, million at a time and sending them to um, a distribution house until the economy got kind of tight, and they came to me and they said, you know, we like doing these, and uh, we'd like to do something like that, but money's tight. What can you do? I says, well, you know, uh, you print these toppers that go on top of the boxes, and they have your specials on it. Uh, yeah. I says, what if I printed those for you uh, for free? It's free? Yeah, we like that. That could work. Keep talking, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Keep talking. You got yeah. my answer, Vince. Yeah, that's right. So 
essentially what we did is we, we told him, he says, I need to have a little bit of space in there so that I can get somebody else that will run with you, and they'll pay for the whole thing for you. And so we did that. We, we, we did it as a trial, and it worked well. And So a different advertiser in the middle of the Papa John's? Uh, it, actually, it's a, it's a sheet. It's a five-and-a-half, eight-and-a-half sheet. Uh-huh. The left side becomes uh, Papa John's, or in this case now we do Domino's and pizza. We do this all across the country. Okay. Uh, on the right side is an advertiser. It could be Boost Mobile. It could be Verizon. It could be an insurance company. Oh, wow. it, it could be a, a real estate uh, company. It could uh-huh. be a, any kind of different companies. Of course, I can't do food on that side. Yeah, yeah. That would pizza be a, yeah, that would be yeah, a, yeah. That would be competing. Right. But... Uh, essentially, they pay for the whole thing, uh, but they get away uh, without having to pay the postman. Uh, the, the biggest expense, if they printed up a postcard and mailed it, by the time you pay for the postcard printing and a mailing list and a mailing service to put the labels on and then the postage, which is a quarter bulk rate, they end up paying about 50 to 60 cents for a four-color postcard. I will do the pizza box ads for as little as six cents, and they start at 12 cents. That's, wow. that's printed and shipped to the stores and distributed, the, okay. whole, the whole ball of wax. So if they look at it this way, for $0.06 cents instead of $0.50, cents, I right. can do eight, eight pizza ads for one, one postcard. Plus, it's all the delivery of it is uh, they don't have to worry about it. It's done by their partner, who's the pizza company. That right? is absolutely correct. That's why we save the postage. Yeah, and, and that's right. that's the big thing. The other thing did is you come get, up with that the idea uh, on your own? Uh, yeah, bins? we did. We kind of came into it because, like as I told you, as I said, it was a necessity. Yeah, right. Right. And um, the people benefit because it's a person-to-person delivery. Right. It's not in the mailbox right. with everybody else. Right. And pizzas get delivered. And the other thing that happens is it's on the box while people are eating for half hour, 45 minutes, and it's usually three or four people eating a pizza, yeah. so they get multiple exposure. Whereas if you do a direct mail card, usually one person goes and gets the mail, they stand over the trash can, and they say, <laughs> yes or no, yes or no. And now, be careful. I just had money mailer on yesterday, so well, uh, they have I, a little different view on that, Vince. They may, but the other thing with money mailer if you, uh, and, and the like, not just money mailer, uh, it's called marriage mail. And... You know, there are divorces. <laughs> but the idea is that some people get used to seeing the envelope. Right. Some people really love it. Right. And they go right, right, and they right. Go right it's, to it. It's a brand. Other people, they see it and they dump it okay. without even opening it. Right. And you may have the best deal going, but just because it's marriage mail, they may not see it. Got it. You know. Okay. Uh, so we fit a different niche, and uh, that's the pizza box ad uh, of, of the company and you've taken this nationally now you say. yes we do that with the domino's pizza hut and, and papa john's all with across their the franchisees country. across with the, the franchisees Man, we, can't do, must... we can't do corporate because if, if usually there's small advertisers that want to do a local area yeah it's very okay. yeah it's a localized yeah, service i mean if i'm doing an ad for pepsi they would do the whole chain right not a problem uh because they're all over right. uh, but for the the local mortgage company uh, they only want Orange County, right. or whatever. Right. So we do that. We, we we've we've run stuff. Uh, oh, we did. We actually, we did a, a million pizza box hoppers for um, a Batman video. Oh wow! A video game. Uh huh. And we did uh, twenty. Let's see, we did two hundred stores, five thousand copies per store. Uh-huh. That was a million pieces. Right. In twenty-five markets across the country. Wow. Did that for four cents a piece. 
Okay. Absolutely cheap. I mean, what are you going to get for four cents? I don't. Uh, you, I, I'm getting you, get a piece of bubble gum for that, four cents, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't. You can't get right. anything for that. Yeah. And they got a million pieces out there for forty grand. Wow. They wanted to sell a, a million of these games in a month. Uh, now they did radio and they did um, TV ads as well. They sold three million. Oh, so so I, I can't attribute it all to uh, pizza boxes. Sure. But a they, large proportion of it, Vince. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Vince Duran is my guest. <laughs> He's the owner of Duran Ads. We're just talking about his business model. We've got about two minutes left before the next break. So I sense you want to say something else that you were doing in yeah, your Yeah, uh, when, maybe when we come back, I'll go into the door hanger portion of door it. hangers i love door hangers we do those all I across tell you, the country as well when you and I, when i first met you at that mixture that i met you at uh, vince and i were at a uh, a marketing event and we got to know each other and i asked him to be on the show to share his experience we were talking about how how funny it is that sometimes old ideas become new again and how this door hangers, you know, technology was supposed to erase all these kind of things, and now door hangers are back stronger than ever. So we're going to come back with Vince Duran. He is the owner of Duran Ads. After this commercial break on Critical Mass Radio Show, you listening, you listening audience of CEOs of middle market firms, don't go anywhere because we'll be back in less than three minutes. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.svnonline.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Vince Duran, owner of Duran Ads, is our guest during this segment. And I'd like to thank and acknowledge those of you that are listeners of our show via our podcast. Last month, you downloaded over 12,000 copies of our show, and that was in 30 days. We appreciate your continued and obviously growing support. All the shows can be heard live on octalkradio.net. Or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, Vince, we started to talk about door hangers and how sometimes old ideas become new again. What's the state of the marketplace for door hanger ads? And explain what a door hanger ad is. 
A door hanger ad is a four-color uh, piece that goes on the door. Uh, printed four colors on two sides. Uh, it uh, catches your eye, and you have to get at, grab it off the door before you walk in. And, right. and it's by itself, so that's a plus as well, as opposed to being direct mail, which is in the mailbox with everybody else. We just did a 250,000 door hanger campaign for uh, Church's Fried Chicken in uh, Houston and San Antonio. The way we did that is they had 40 stores. We did 5,000 each in mm. Houston. It, this program works very well for franchise operations like uh, churches or or uh, we've done Boost uh, Mobile. We've done uh, Verizon. Uh, the new one out is um, AIO, I think it's another new cellular company. We did 160000 for them for 40 stores in uh, Florida. Okay. Um, what it does, it, it, it amal we amalgamate the order so that the individual store pays a lot less money than if they contracted individually. Right, because they're getting it, volume. They're getting the volume discount, that's correct. And um, it works really well because the door hangers will give you an immediate push as opposed to the, the pizza box ads which go out over a, a meter at a time. Uh, usually the pizza places will put out about a thousand pieces of, uh, of uh, pizza boxes a, a week. So when we give them 10,000 uh, ads, it's a 10-week campaign, right. which is good. It gives it longevity. It gives it uh, some branding. Uh -huh. uh, and it it goes hand-in-hand -hand with the door hanger campaign because we can put those out in a matter of a few days. Uh, to give you an example, we did uh, 300,000 pieces for Metro PCS in three states back east. Mm -hmm. And we did that in a matter of two weeks. I used seven different teams to get that out. So... How does an advertiser know the door hanger ad is driving activity? Very good, very good question. And plus the fact that they want to know that they got out and they weren't thrown in the trash. Yeah, okay. that, that too. Yeah, we we uh, we give them GPS reports, which uh, is like an Excel format that tells them uh, where they were every sixty seconds. Uh, the, the walkers carry a tracking unit, and every sixty seconds it clicks their location, so you can actually see on a map dot 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 oh, okay. like, a, like a crumb trail uh -huh. they went up this street down this street made a left and went this way and then we also give them the spreadsheet uh, analysis as well which shows each uh, each street address that they went on okay at what time he was at this this point at this time a minute later he was here a minute later he was here a minute later he was here then we also give them photos of the the uh, door hangers on the on the uh, door okay so they get to see the visual they get to see the the, the map and they get to see the, the GPS report. And if that isn't enough, they're welcome to come along with us or we will invite them to come follow up behind us. Because okay. the crews start like 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 in the morning. So around 10 or 11 o'clock, we'll go by the store and say, okay, we finished this area. Do you want to ride along with us? And I'll show you what we did. Okay. So it's a, it's a pretty transparent um, situation with the door hangers. Not always. A lot of door hanger people will charge you less money but they'll throw a portion of them away. Yeah, that's the only way they can do it. Right. Um, the uh, to give you an idea, we pay our our crew uh, people ten dollars an hour. They deliver uh, eight hundred a day. So if you figure that out, that works out to about um, ten cents. And is it your experience that those? I don't know why you wouldn't say yes, but I'm going to ask you anyway. That advertising that way for the right kind of advertiser drives activity on the customers on the client side. That boost or the mobile companies or whoever uses it, they're getting the people taking the door hanger off and actually the call to action works? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, we, we had a complaint actually from uh, the fried chicken place 
some of these kids were coming in with uh, ten hangers <laughs> in, in their hand. Yeah. They went around and pulled them off other wow, people's doors. so valuable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it, you know, it's all sorts of things like that. But obviously they're getting out there. And what will happen is, well, you'll get some complaints. We, we had a complaint. We did a project for McDonald's in Kansas or someplace. And we had a woman go into the store, a McDonald's store, and irate, want to see the manager. Uh, she complained that we put a door hanger on her door. And that let all the crooks know that she was on vacation. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't know who's right. on vacation or who's not. We just right. get paid to do a the right. delivery in a certain area. Interesting. And and that has that technology that technology as a marketing tool has been around for some time, hasn't it? It has. Uh, the other advantage of that too as opposed to uh the direct mail uh pieces and stuff, uh, like as I mentioned before, a direct mail card is 50 to 60 cents. This is half of that. So we'll do it for anywhere from 30 cents down to 23 cents. So let's say an average of 25 cents printed and delivered. Uh, that's half of a uh, direct mail card, and it pulls 50% more. Really? Yeah. So for a middle market CEO who's in the B2C space, right, who's a yes. consumer, this may be a very cost-effective marketing avenue that maybe they haven't tried if they're trying to drive traffic into a store or online to do some type of an activity. So if, you're, if you are a CEO of a B2C middle market company, maybe Duran Ads has a, has a program for you, it sounds like. Yeah, it could be. It could be even a larger company. Say a, a bank is opening up a new branch, and they need exposure for that branch is opening up. Okay. And they want to invite people to the branch, to have free coffee, get to know the branch, or uh, start a savings account and get something free or whatever. It's great, great for that. Yeah, they don't do toasters or anything anymore when you go into banks <laughs> no more today. Toasters, you, know? No. you don't get any of that stuff. Yeah, and no you also don't get tumblers when you go and fill up with gas either. Remember yeah, that? You don't get S and H green stamps yeah, anymore. S and H green stamps and yeah. plaid stamps too. Right. He's that plaid. Yeah. All right, the now, young people don't know yeah, what we're now, talking about. Now you're dating yourself, yes, Vince. Right. I'm getting a little uncomfortable talking to you about that. <laughs> but uh, what do you see the future for the firm? Have you ever, have you hit on a business model that you that you think is making sense, and is it leading you to other ideas? Uh, franchises uh, are really good because I get a, a large order uh, and usually it's concentrated within a geographic area right so that it's a win-win we make pretty good dollars on on a large order and the clients save a lot of money by doing a large order and of course the individual franchisees are making a killing because they're they're getting um, say 2500 uh, door hangers delivered that they wouldn't be able to get delivered any other way because we our minimum usually is 10,000 okay and so I'm not going to deliver 2,500 for a single store so help me understand how you actually fulfill the order because you're here in Southern California you're talking about cities across the country you must have a net how do you do that well I'm God I'm everywhere are you no oh. I, just, I just finally we had him on the show <laughs> 900 guests and we I don't mean to be blasphemous, but... <laughs> no, I'm teasing. No, we have different uh, teams uh, scattered around the country. Okay. I have a team in Atlanta. I have a team in New Jersey. Uh, several teams here in Southern California, in San Diego, uh, Arizona, and in, in, uh, in Houston. So it just depends on what... in Chicago. So it just depends on where the where the area is. It's where, what team I use. Okay. So you actually have relationships with people in these markets who... That's correct. Okay. And you have the technology underpinning that you talked about yes, to trace them. Yes, all of that's put together. So that's yeah. an investment on your part, right? I mean, Yeah. Well, a lot of them will have it. Uh, if they don't, I'll send it to them. Okay. Yeah. And that works. Okay. So 
we're talking to middle market CEOs out there. We're specifically looking at B two C advertising ideas. You're an you're an ad specialist. You focused in this area, but you've done a number of things. What do you think the future is for print advertising, as far as the kind of areas that we've talked in? Do, do you see other old ideas becoming new again? Is direct marketing uh, something that's working? What what would be your advice for a CEO saying I need to get some energy back in my marketing campaign and I'm a B2C space. Well, there are, you know, even the uh, pizza guys are, are running um, uh, different text messages to their clients oh. uh, digitally and, and that can work. There's other things that can be done uh, on a digital uh, basis that would uh, prompt a sponsor to have their ad on that digital message. So that when they get it, uh -huh. th that ad's going to run, like much like they do some of these um, YouTube things where sure. you, you see a commercial before before you get to see what you want to see. Yeah, and I would think using things like that on the door hangers or on the printed material that causes them to use their smartphone, to engage with the, the then then to get them into your database might be yeah. another very powerful way. Well, we have the little um, QR codes. QR codes, uh -huh. and we put those on not only the door hangers but also the okay. pizza box ads, and they scan those, and they'll it'll either make a phone call or put them on the website, or right. or, or get download a, yeah. a coupon to them, whatever number yeah. of ways. So it's that. blending really the old practices with the technology and making it new yeah. again. Yeah, if you don't if you don't change, you die. You're right, you don't. You know. But you don't have to throw away everything that's worked over the years just because the new platforms come in, right? You figure out how to blend the two together and make it work even better. Well, that's the like I was telling you with the pizza guy, he, he says, I need something that will do what I want to do, but I don't have the dollars. What can you do? And that's how we got into doing pizza box ads. Necessity is the mother of invention. All right, Vince, if someone wants to learn about Duran ads, how do they find you online? They can find us at DuranAds.com. How do you spell uh, that? Duran, D-U-R-A-N as in Nancy, and then A-D-S is an abbreviation for advertising ads, DuranAds.com. DuranAds.com. Well, this has been a kick in the pants. You're... Thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass Community, Vince. Rick, I appreciate you having me here. It's been fun. It's been, it's been good. It has. It goes by fast, this radio show. Hopefully our audience has enjoyed both of the interviews today and you found value and ideas that you can adapt or adopt into your business. I'd like to thank our advertisers for supporting the program. Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show was Paul Roberts. Our, Chris, our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our marketing strategist is Asia Celestino. Our social media manager is Melissa Padani. And our VP of Sales, as I said earlier, is, is Rose Chamora. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. And if you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, maybe you know a CEO would be interested in a CEO peer group that I lead, or maybe you can nominate a future guest, or you're interested in advertising, check out criticalmass4business.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 